a privilege to be able to present to you and a message about the power of the Holy Spirit in us. So thank you, Pastor Terry, for inviting me. You might recall last week, Pastor Terry preached about Ephesians chapter 2 and how we were all dead in our sins as we used to live according to the ways of the world. And then you'll remember that Pastor Terry talked about these two special words in Ephesians 2, where it was saying that we were dead in our sins as we lived according to the ways of the world. And then there was a transition where God made us alive in Christ. And those two words that made that transition were the words, but God. But God. And, and that's, those are two powerful words where we would be in one situation but God, and then we're able to have a new situation altogether where we're alive in Christ. Pastor Terry explained how the ways and influence of the world lead us to alienation from God, condemnation, enslavement to sin. He compared that with the ways of God, which lead to true freedom from sin and a right relationship with God. So when we think about sin... Sin essentially can be summarized as being something that goes against what God has commanded us. Now, you remember Jesus was asked, what are the, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus said, well, the greatest commandment is love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength. That's the greatest. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. So Jesus summarized his commandments with these two commandments, loving God and loving your neighbor. Interestingly, Jesus also said in John 14, he said, if you love me, you will keep my commands. So if he had stopped there and not elaborated any more on it, that in itself might be a little discouraging for us because well, I see a show of hand. Who here has been able to keep all of Jesus' commands? Okay, I didn't expect to see too many hands, and I'm glad you're honest. But now we have a dilemma, because we love Jesus, and he said, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. And yet we haven't kept his commands. There's a problem. And Jesus then was able to continue in what he was saying in John chapter 14, in verses 16 to 17, he gives us good news. He says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. He is the spirit of truth. The world is unable to receive him because it doesn't see him or know him, but you know him because he remains with you and will be in you. Now, there's a word there that Jesus brings out, two words. One is another counselor. So the word counselor in the Greek is paraclete. And the word paraclete is an interesting word. It means one called alongside. So Jesus was saying, I will ask the Father to send another counselor. I'll ask the Father to send someone who will be called alongside of you. And he will enable you. He will empower you. So Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commands. And 
You're not on your own with that. It's not your own willpower that enables you to keep Jesus' commands. It's not your own willpower that enables you to love. It's the power of the Holy Spirit in you that's enabling each and every one of you to do what God has asked us to do. And that's, that's where it, it gets exciting because he hasn't left us with just the command. He also empowers us. Interesting also is that he says another counselor. Okay, so he's talking about the Holy Spirit when he says another counselor. But that implies that there was a counselor that had come before. And that's Jesus himself. Jesus came and lived among us. His name is Emmanuel, God with us. And he walked among us alongside the disciples. But Jesus also knew that he had to leave, ascend back into heaven. But he wouldn't leave the disciples as orphans. He wouldn't leave them on their own. No, of course not. No. Instead, he said, I will pray and I'll ask the Father and he'll send another counselor. So, how do we keep God's commands? It's by allowing the Holy Spirit to enable us. And now allowing the Holy Spirit to empower us, to stand firm in the freedom that Jesus has given us. You know, I used to say that the Holy Spirit almost never speaks to me. I used to say that. I'd say, well, yeah, once, once in a while I might hear something or get something. But I have recently come to the realization that, in fact, the Holy Spirit is actually very audible, very, very interested in talking to me and breaking through in me. And you might recall, maybe a month ago, Pastor Jason had preached about the, the Holy Spirit's still, small voice. And it's that voice that I realized I wasn't actually able to listen to. There's so many other voices clamoring for our attention. And I had become deaf to that still, small voice of the Holy Spirit. And so when I started to listen to that still small voice, I heard the Holy Spirit telling me not to be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of my mind. That's what that still small voice was telling me, to not be conformed to what the world is telling me to be conformed to. The world is intolerant to those who don't conform to its pattern. But instead, the Holy Spirit is asking me and telling me to be transformed from within by the renewing of my mind. And that's a work that only the Holy Spirit can do in our lives. 2 Corinthians 10 says, For although we live in the flesh, now when it talks about living in the flesh, that's living with our sinful nature in this sinful realm. Although we live in the flesh, we do not wage war according to the flesh. So if we were to try and do battle using means that we have within us, we would use maybe our, our willpower, maybe our human strength. Maybe it's the power of positive thinking. But we don't do battle using those weapons, since the weapons of our warfare are not flesh, but are powerful through God for the demolition of strongholds. We demolish arguments and every proud thing that is raised up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought. We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Every thought. And so we have these thought patterns in our minds, and these get established over many years. But the Lord, through the power of the Holy Spirit, 
it enables us to stop those negative thoughts, stop those sinful thoughts in their tracks. And that requires divine power to break those sin patterns in our lives. That's the power of the Holy Spirit in us. I'd like to share a, a situation that happened four and a half years ago. Four and a half years ago, my sister, Wendy Patterson, was diagnosed with cancer in the lymph nodes. And she went through the medical procedures. And the doctors did everything in their power to stop the cancer. And it came to the point where they said to her, I'm sorry, Wendy, but we, we weren't successful. And so they set her up with palliative care. That's um, pain management. They gave her uh, some little button she can push, which would inject painkiller into her so that when the pain got too great, then she would be relieved from that pain. And that was all they could do for her at that point. Now, the doctors were wonderful. They, they worked their best. They, they, were, they treated her so well. But they were limited. That's all they could do. What would you do? How would you respond if you were told you only have a few weeks to a month left to live? Well, maybe you would respond by praying. I, I would hope so. I know I would. Asking God to, to heal. Maybe you'd be fearful. What, what lies ahead? What does this all mean? I've never gone down this way before. You might be angry. How could you do this to me? I've served you my whole life. There's all kinds of reactions that are very natural that we would have to such news. Doubt, fear, anger. Well, as the, ways went, as the days went by, Wendy's condition continued to get worse and worse. And it's during those nights when we do get those feelings of doubt and fear, maybe even anger, that we can be reminded of what the Lord said to Paul, the apostle. And that's a passage from 2 Corinthians, where Jesus told Paul, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And then Paul went on to say, therefore, I will most gladly boast all the more about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may reside in me. So I take pleasure in weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and difficulties for the sake of Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Although Wendy continued to grow weaker and weaker, we were able to also see that her spirit, day by day, was growing stronger and stronger because of the Holy Spirit working in her. The strongholds of doubt and fear were no match to the power of the Holy Spirit in her. The Apostle Paul, in Galatians 5, told us to walk by the Spirit 
and you will certainly not carry out the desire of the flesh. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. You see, Wendy had learned what it meant to walk, live, and keep in step with the Spirit. In the beginning of the book of Acts, Jesus was about to be taken up into heaven. And he was giving a few final instructions to his disciples in Acts chapter 1. And it says, and it's up on the screen there, it says, so when they had come together, uh, sorry, it's not, uh, yeah, okay. They were asking him, are you going to restore at this time the kingdom of heaven? Let's, I'm going to back up actually a verse. And it's just before that, he says, while he was with them, he commanded them, and he gives a commandment, which is not on the screen. And I'll, so I'll just tell you what he said. Jesus was with them, and he commanded them, this is all you have. I can't do anything more for you. You're on your own. Go back to your houses. I'm going to heaven. And, then, and it's not on the screen, but just take my word for it. That's what Jesus said. Well, no, of course not. Of course he didn't say that. That's ridiculous. Jesus commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard me speak about, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit in a few days. So, when they had come together, they asked the Lord, are you restoring the kingdom to Israel at this time? And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or periods the Father has sent his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea, in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. That was the message that he gave them. It's good news. He was going to be with the Father, but he wasn't leaving them as orphans. He wasn't abandoning them. Instead, he was going to ask the Father to send what the Father had promised, which is the Holy Spirit, to give them the power that they needed to carry through with the message. Now, the disciples at this point... They were already what we would call Christians. And you'll say, what do you mean? Well, if you read John chapter 20, you would see that there's this one situation on the day that Jesus rose from the dead, uh, Resurrection Sunday, he meets with his disciples and he breathes the Holy Spirit into them. He says, receive the Holy Spirit. Okay, so as soon as he rose from the dead, the disciples received the Holy Spirit. Now, the disciples already had the Holy Spirit breathed into them. Why did they need to wait in Jerusalem to receive the Holy Spirit? They already had the Holy Spirit. There's a difference. The power that Jesus is talking about when the Holy Spirit would baptize them is the power that they would need to fulfill the great commission it's a second work of God that he does in a believer's life so all believers yes we all have received the in the Holy Spirit being breathed into us but what Jesus was talking about is something more now I should 
also pause here just for a moment and talk to you about Valentine's Day. <laughs> the Bible is like one huge Valentine's card. It gives us a love story like no other. It tells us that although we were dead in our sin and had no, no hope, no way of escape by, on our own strength, it tells us that God loved you and I so much, so much, that he gave his one and only son. He gave out of a loving heart so that you do not need to suffer the consequences of your sin. You do not need to, to suffer in this life the consequences or the eternal consequences. He's provided a way out and he did everything he could to provide that way out, to provide that way of escape by sending his one and only son who for eternity past they experienced such union and yet Jesus became obedient to death for you and I to pay the price for our sins that that gulf could be bridged and you and I could be brought into a loving relationship with our Father. That's a love story like no other. A story of sacrifice, a story of restoration and reconciliation. That we do not need to live with our sin and suffer the consequences, but instead we can be set free from sin and enjoy eternal life for our, with our Father forever. If you haven't made that decision yet, or maybe you had and, and you've forgotten about that decision, now's a good time to remember. Now's a good time to say, Father, I'm sorry for my sin. I'm sorry for rejecting you. Please forgive me. Please set me free and help me to enter into that loving relationship with you Amen. The everlasting life that Jesus offers us is, means freedom from consequences of sin. It means entering into that right relationship with God. It means becoming sons and daughters of God and receiving that Holy Spirit that he's promised. So the disciples, they had to wait in Jerusalem for what the Father had promised. Acts chapter 1. One, verse, the first part of verse 14 gives us a little glimpse of what they were doing during that 10-day prayer meeting in Jerusalem. And it says that they were all, continu they all were continually united in prayer. So I looked up the word united. I, I know a teeny tiny bit of Greek, and I have some books that help me. And so I researched that word united. And it actually comes from the Greek word uh, homothumadon, which is actually two words uh, in the root. The first part, uh, homo, means same or together. And then the second part, 
which is, I found fascinating, is thumos, which means passion. So we could see this verse as saying that they were all continually of the same passion in prayer. So God was doing something in the disciples' hearts during those 10 days of prayer. We know that the disciples, just two months earlier, were fairly divided. Things weren't going well for those disciples. You might remember, there were arguments among them about who can be greatest in the kingdom of heaven. You might remember even when Jesus rose from the dead, Thomas, he basically called the other disciples a bunch of liars because he said, I'm not going to believe you guys when you tell me Jesus rose from the dead until I can put my hand in his side. No way, I'm not believing anything you're telling me. And then don't get me started with Peter, right? You remember Peter. Even if all those guys deny you, Jesus, I'll never deny you. Well, we know what Peter did. God was doing a work in their hearts during that 10-day prayer meeting. And part of that work was to bring them back together, to unite them in passion, to unite them in purpose. And so now we have on the day of Pentecost, right, after the 10-day prayer meeting, then God poured the Holy Spirit out. And who was it that raised his voice and boldly declared to all those gathered? It was Peter who boldly said, that this Jesus, whom you crucified, is both Lord and Savior. You know, we, th we think about how Jesus uses various things in our lives. Well, there was a purpose for those 10 days of prayer. He was drawing them closer, drawing them closer to him and closer to each other. Now, as Canadians, we tend to frown upon any expression of passion or emotion. However, from my observations, Canadians can be united in passion and rally around a cause if it's important to us. Maybe it's American football, something far away. It could be even something very, very close to home that Canadians will unite in passion and purpose for a cause. How much more can Life Center Canada be united in passion and purpose as we call out to God and say, God, please fill us anew with the Holy Spirit. God wants to unite us in purpose and passion to receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit so that together we can live the lives that he's called us to live, so that together we can walk and live and keep in step with the Spirit. Now, someone might say, well, I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. And you know, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. But you're also dangerously wrong. If you want to make a Jesus-sized difference in this world, we need to be united in passion and purpose. There is a mission, a great commission. So when Kathy and I started attending Life Center just a few years ago, we actually were very warmly welcomed here. We could see that there was 
a unity and there was a passion. The, the people greeted us who, who never had met us before. And there are also many here in Canada who over the years we'd attended Bible studies and such together, prayer meetings. And, and so we actually felt very warm, very welcome here at Canada Life Center. And, and I say that's, that speaks well of each of you. That does. That, that we would be welcomed in the warmth that we experienced. So how does the Holy Spirit use each of us, each of you, to help me to walk, live, and keep in step with the Spirit? Well, you help me to discern the truth of Jesus apart from the lies of the enemy. You help me to walk out my spiritual disciplines. You provide me a safe place to confess my sin. You accelerate me dying to myself. And oh, do you do that. You remind me life is not all about me. You share your testimony, your faith, and your life lessons with me. You help me see the world through the eyes of different genders, ethnicities, stages in life, marital statuses, beauty, and brokenness. Whether it's life groups, Bible study, the heart strong, life start, growth track, I've lost track of those. Uh, whatever it is, serving together, these are all ways that by the Holy Spirit, we can live lives that are different from that of the world around us. By we can walk and live and keep in step with the Spirit. And so, as I've been attending these various groups here at Life Center over the past few years, I've been encouraged every, every time. I, I, like the heart strong and, and the life start and the growth track, the prayer team. So many people encouraged me that I should preach. Plain old Ron, I should preach. So Pastor Terry asked me about a month ago, hey, Ron, would you like to preach? I gladly accepted. I wholeheartedly accepted. I knew that this would be a safe place that I can come and stand up and declare the word of God. And I, and I want to thank all of you who encouraged me in this. And, and it's, it's, it's glorious, I've got to tell you. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, you might remember that the Apostle Paul talks about the gifts of the Spirit. And he goes on and lists all these gifts of the Spirit. But then he goes on to talk about the body of Christ. And it's important that he, he put that in there as well. And he says, oh, you know, not everyone can be one part of the body. We're not all an ear, not all an eye. So, so also with Life Center Canada, we each have our own part to play in the body. Not everybody, for example, can be a greeter. Suppose you say, oh, oh if only I could be a greeter. Oh, that would be just great. But if you're not gifted in hospitality, if that's not your calling, then Standing at the door greeting people could, could turn more people away than, than encourage them to come in. So don't be a greeter. Instead, we're, we need people, for example, in youth, or maybe we need people on the security team. Or There'd be something else that you could find yourself in, but you need to find your position within the body and, and fulfill that role. As Wendy battled cancer, she wasn't alone. Her church community rallied around her. I still remember her freezer was filled with as many casseroles as it could hold. I still remember seeing a shelf in, 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 her, in her house. And, and it was right around Valentine's Day that I remember. And, and there were so many Valentine's cards. 
that people had sent her, and encouragement cards. So the body of Christ was being the body of Christ. And Wendy knew that she was not abandoned in her hour of need. Although she was afflicted, she was not crushed. Although she was perplexed, she was not in despair. And even though she was struck down, she was not destroyed. For she knew that the one who raised Jesus from the dead would also raise us with Jesus. And so I remember sitting with her, January of 2018. We were, I was sitting in her living room with her, and she was watching the Olympic tryouts for the Winter Games on television. And I was sitting there talking to her about the journey that she was on. Today marks the fourth anniversary of her passing. And she was sharing with me how she felt guilty. She felt guilty because she knew that her family, who loved her dearly, loving husband, two adult children who loved her very much, how when she passed, they would miss her. And she felt guilty because she knew that to be absent from the body meant to be present with the Lord. And that she'd be dancing around the throne room of God, maybe not even thinking about those she left behind. And so that was the hope that she had in her, that even if her body dies, her spirit will live on. And I encouraged her. I said, go ahead and dance. What is it that gives us the strength to stare life and death in the face and still carry on? It is the power of the Holy Spirit that enables us to walk, to live, and to keep in step with the Spirit. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind, sound judgment. So can we at Life Center Canada also be united in passion to receive what God has for us? Yes, we can. In Luke chapter 11, the disciples asked Jesus, they said, Jesus, teach us to pray. And Jesus goes on to give them the Lord's Prayer. And often when we read that, we say, okay, they asked for it and Jesus answered it. But what we don't often realize is that Jesus' response actually didn't stop at the end of the Lord's Prayer. He kept on going. He went on to give them an illustration of, he says, suppose one of you has a friend who comes in from out of town. Late at night, he arrives. You weren't expecting him. You don't have any food in your house to feed him, and he's famished. And, and, the, and I'm going to paraphrase it for you, but basically, the story goes like this, where, where you would go to your neighbor's house, your friend's house, for some food to give to your friend. And you would... 
you'd be knocking. Pastor Terry! And you'd be knocking at the door. Pastor Terry! And what is it? What do you want? Pastor Terry, I need some food. I need to borrow three loaves of bread. I have a friend that just came in from out of town. I don't have any food. Grocery stores are closed. Even pizza places shut. And I, I got to get some food. Please, can I get some food from you? Go away. Go home. Maybe tomorrow I can help. But my family's all in bed. We're all trying to sleep. Please, go away. Pastor Terry, I need some food. And, and while you're at it, maybe a little cheese and some big cakes. Jesus says that even if he doesn't give him the food because he's his friend, which, you know, you are a friend, and I'm sure you would, but even if he doesn't do that because of his friendship, it's because of the man's shameless boldness. The, in the King James Version, the, his importunity, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. This is all part of Jesus' teaching on prayer. That when we go to God with a need, we approach the throne of God with shameless boldness. And then that's, after that is when Jesus went on to talk about how we need to ask, how we need to knock, how we need to seek. He, he, this is all part of the same teaching on prayer. Ask and you shall receive. And then it doesn't stop there. Okay, Jesus just keeps on going. And he goes on to talk about what father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will he give him a snake instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? How much more is the question. The Holy Spirit is available. The Holy Spirit is what the Father wants to give you and I. And the Holy Spirit is, is even today waiting to be poured out upon each and every one of us. And so what I'm going to do is, just in a minute, I'm going to encourage us to gather for prayer here at the, around the front or maybe in the aisle. And you say, well, why, why do I have to gather for prayer? It's because... The Father wants to see in us this passion for prayer. He wants us to, to show outwardly that we truly do want to agree in prayer together for that gift that he's promised. And for those of you who are watching online, uh, I'm going to encourage you that you will need to change your position. If you're sitting down, stand up. If you're standing, you'll need to kneel down. Whatever it is, and, and then we would be able to gather together in prayer. Now, at the front, of course, we don't have a lot of room, so you know, there's certain distancing that you'll need to have. But if you want to agree with me in prayer, asking with shameless boldness for the Father to refill Canada Life Center with the Holy Spirit then I would ask you to come and join me at the front. No music, no one going around praying for you. Just a couple of minutes here, here at the front, and then I'll close that in prayer, and then we'll have a song. Oh, Father, 
we've gathered here with one heart, united in passion and purpose. We've gathered here to shamelessly, boldly stand before you. We need the Holy Spirit. And so we ask for that fresh filling to once again, once again, may we drink from that well that never runs dry. Once again, come, Father, and fill us with the Holy Spirit. Fill us with the power that we need to live the life that you've called us to live. We can't do it on our own. We've tried. Oh, how we need you desperately. Come and fill us, we ask. 